This is week six of our series, How to Receive Your Healing. And I'll, I'll tell you, what we're really talking about is how to receive anything from the Lord. We're talking about principles of faith. And so uh, we're, we're showcasing specifically physical healing. Do you know if Jesus went about doing good, he went about teaching, preaching, and healing? Just be ready because you're going to be doing the same thing in these last days. In these, I, I should say the correct term. In the Hebrew, it's not the last days. It's the end of days. Days are coming to an end. The church age is coming to an end. And I'm telling you, God picked you to live right now. And he wants you to walk in victory in every area of your life. See, for us as a Christian, always remember this. Winning isn't everything. It's the only thing. For us as a Christian. God never wants you to lose. He always causes you to triumph. He always gives you the victory. Always. This is huge. So we don't, the fight of faith, it's not a fight to get the victory. We don't fight for a victory. Well, how am I, this is not my note. We don't fight for a victory. We fight from a victory. Right? I'm already victorious. Whoever is born of God overcomes the world system. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. What is it? Even our faith. So when I, when I hear the word of God, and all of a sudden, I have sickness in my body illegally, and all of a sudden, revelation of God's word comes that he sent his word and healed me, that Jesus himself bore my sickness and carried my pain. I'm quoting Psalm 107.20, Matthew 8.17. When I, when, I, when I actually, when the light of those scriptures come to my spirit, I am fully persuaded that I am the healed and that now sickness has to bow. That is my victory. When I gain revelation knowledge of the word of God is my victory. Realize this. Give yourself a break. You and I are believers, right? You're a believer. You are not the performer. We believe the word in our hearts and then we confess the word out of our mouths and God performs it. I'm, not, I'm a believer. I'm not a performer. Right? So I don't get into this whole works thing. No, I work out what God's working in because I, I know if I believe it and speak it, he will perform it. Because Jesus is alive and he's watching over his word. He is literally watching your life and watching your words every day. There are angels that have been assigned to you to go bring to pass what you need in this life because the table's already been set and everything's on the table. In order to really, you, you gotta understand these things. You know, I think of David and Goliath. What happened in that interaction? Here's Goliath. He's coming out there, and he's just running off at the mouth. He's speaking. David shows up. David goes out to battle with him. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? In other words, I don't care how tall he is. I don't care who he is. He has no, he's an uncircumcised Philistine. He has no covenant with God. So he's not coming against me. He's coming against the God of heaven. So if you look at that interaction... Right? Goliath would speak, then David would speak. Goliath would speak, then David would speak. But guess what? Goliath did not speak last. Did you notice that interaction? Goliath didn't speak last. Daniel in the lion's den. Man, those people in, po in politics and in government with Daniel, they hated Daniel. They would speak. They would speak, but they didn't speak last. He went into a lion's den, came out the next day, and all those guys were history. 
Why am I saying that? Don't let, don't ever let the devil have the last word. You have the last word. Right? The devil is defeated. God is exalted. Right? But realize that about you. There is a God and he's your heavenly father and it's not you. You're the believer. You're his child, but he's the performer. Amen? Amen. Well, praise God. There's the inter- I guess we'll call that the introduction. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's jump into this. Luke chapter 5, verse 15. Luke chapter 5, verse 15. Man, I'm telling you, if that doesn't light your wood, your wood is wet. <laughs> Hang out around here. Hang out under the light and heat of the word of God, and it'll dry your wood, and you'll be burning too. Amen? Amen. Luke chapter 5, verse 15 It says this, now the title of this message, what we're talking about how to receive your healing, and and I entitled this, Light Must Come. No light from the word of God, no faith, God has nothing to work with. What am I talking about? The light comes from the word, and we'll get into it. But Psalm 119, verse 130 says, if this is a word from God, right, these are words, they contain his thoughts. The Bible says the entrance of his word or the opening of his word brings light. Revelation knowledge of God's word is where literally your heart, your spirit man gains revelation knowledge And that light explodes in your mind so that you see something you didn't see before, right? That's faith. Faith comes when you hear the word of God. Really, hearing is seeing. Seeing is hearing, right? So light must come as you're believing God. So Luke chapter 5, verse 15, this is really interesting. I mean, these are people, here's Jesus Fame is going all over the place about him, right? That he's healing all who are sick. Demons are coming out. Bodies are being completely made whole. Limbs are being, I mean, maimed people are being healed. All this stuff is happening. And look at what it says. So much the more went a fame, went there a fame abroad of him. And great multitudes came together. It doesn't say to be healed, It says they came to hear and to be healed of him of their infirmities. Why, why, now we'll we'll talk, well, well, let me not get ahead of myself. We'll talk about this a little bit. It even says this in Luke 6, 17. In Luke 6, 17, it says, and he came down with them, stood in the plain, and the company of his disciples, and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. That's people coming from a long way away, right? Which came to hear him and be healed of of their diseases. They came to hear and to be healed. A big part of receiving everything from God is light must come. Light has to come. You have to have revelation knowledge because when that light explodes in your heart and in your mind, and it, it, and it does that because you've been meditating in the word, you've been saying what the word says over and over and over again, the Holy Spirit opens it, light comes now, and now you're able to receive what God has. Because faith comes. So let's look real briefly at the healing ministry of Jesus. So you got to understand, Jesus' ministry was, was unique. Now, he operated as a man anointed by God. We know that, right? God would have no reason to anoint God. Because if Jesus came down here as God, with all of his godly attributes, he would not have needed to be anointed But he took upon himself flesh, he laid those other things down, and now he's living as a man anointed by God. Look at this, though. In the four gospel accounts, there are 19 individual cases of healing. You've heard me talk about this before, right? 
in those 19 cases. Now, now here's another thing about Jesus. He had the spirit without measure. Right? The spirit without measure. Wow. Think about that. We all have a measure of the spirit, but Jesus had the spirit without measure. But if you look at these 19 cases, and it seems like there's more because many of them are in three of the four Gospels, you know, and, and it's wonderful as you teach these things because you kind of see a full picture as you read all the different accounts. You know, 11 of these specifically say that the person's faith identifies the person's faith as the determining factor of their healing. Woman with the issue of blood right? Woman, your faith has made you whole. 11 of the 19 specifically identify and actually say that. Now you would think that if Jesus was, came down to this earth and he was healing to prove that he was God, he wouldn't be saying, your faith has made you whole. He would be saying, listen, I'm the Messiah, I'm here, my power is why you are made whole. But he didn't say that. He, he literally showcased the person's faith. Your faith was the determining factor. Right? The woman with the issue of blood, was, was she speaking to get light? No. She was speaking because she had light. She would have never left her house and put her life on the line, going through a crowd, going, man, if I could just get to Jesus and touch the hem of his garment, I know I will be made whole. She, already, she was speaking out of that light. Okay? So if you look at six of the 19, it doesn't say specifically, verbally, your faith has made you whole. However, you can see very clearly the person's faith. You could, I mean, you could see that their faith was in operation. Only two of the 19 were literally, it was a gift of the Spirit, a, a gift of healing, a working of a miracle, a gift of special faith. In other words, it was a gift of the Spirit, right? There's nine gifts and manifestations of the Holy Ghost. Jesus walked in, in seven of the nine. He had no need of tongues interpretation, Right? But he walked in these others, but, they, but the Holy Spirit saw fit to put two of the 19. This is screaming to us. Now think about this. In the ministry of Jesus, with the fullness of the Spirit, the majority of the time, the person's faith is what was showcased. Not the healing power of God. That's pretty big, Right? This is, this is interesting. In other words, we know in the majority of the healings that are showcased in the Bible, the person's faith was the catalyst that brought healing to them. It was the catalyst. So now, John chapter 3 in verse 34 says this about Jesus. and Because I, I, I want you to see this. Jesus had the Holy Spirit without measure. It says, for, whom, for he whom God hath sent speaks the words of God. For God gives not the Spirit by measure unto him. He had the fullness. Wow. So here's Jesus. I mean, I've got a measure, and that measure seems unlimited. If you were to take all of our measures as Christians all over the earth, we would have the fullness. But it was all in his, in his body. He was a one-man healing revival. Right? He, he was. I mean, one-man healing revival. You've got to understand this about the ministry of Jesus. In John 14, 10, though, look at what he says. He says this in John 14, 10, he says, Believe you not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? Could you imagine how that was freaking people out? First of all, they would never call God Father. 
They, that, that's, like, well, that's like blasphemy. What do you mean he's your father? No, no, he's Jehovah. We are his servants. Now Jesus shows up and he's like, oh no, he's my father. And the father in me, he says, the words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the father that dwells in me, he does the works. So Jesus has the fullness of the spirit and he took no credit. He says, listen, my father, how did the father do the works? By the spirit of God. Right? That's how, that's how Jesus operated. The Holy Spirit was moving in this way in the, earth, in the earthly ministry of Jesus. So, and the reason why I say that, if you study, so like I think from like 1949 to 1956 or something like that, all of a sudden, like in, in the late 40s, a healing revival started. And, and the Spirit of God was just moving this way. And I mean, it was crazy how, he, I mean, I read some of these stories and, and some of the things Brother Hagin would say, people that really just, you know, like he, he, he talked about some, uh, a couple that he knew, they were great worship leaders. You know, they, 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 were, they were godly people. They loved God with all their heart. And they would just lead worship and meetings and all this other stuff. But they just had it on their heart. Man, let's go buy a tent and let's have healing revival meetings. And they're just getting tons and tons of people healed. I mean, it was like the easiest thing in the world. And all of a sudden, it just started. And then all of a sudden, in the 50s, all of a sudden, it just stopped. Well, what was that? The, the Spirit of God was moving in a special way. This is the way the Spirit of God was moving in the ministry of Jesus. Teaching, preaching, healing. So, I mean, I mean, this is the grace of God. These people were not born again, right? The measure of faith that it would take, it could be the same measure we walk in today, but they would just, I mean, just a little measure of faith, and they're receiving bodies healed, limbs growing out, all this stuff. Because the Holy Spirit was moving that way. You got to understand these things to really see what we have been given. We never talk about this, but here's one thing that you don't see in the ministry of Jesus. There's not one story in there about people standing for months before they receive their healing, before it manifests. Right? We, we in faith circles and healing circles, we just kind of go, la, 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 let's not talk about that. And we never gain understanding of that so the enemy could eat your lunch. Right? We never, for me saying that, people are going, wow, that, you know, that's right. I never really thought about that. But yeah, we got to talk about this. Guys, the word is true. That word will stand. It is true. Man, I'm telling you, you could, you could dissect it any way you want, and God has provided healing for you. Hallelujah. So, but there's another thing in the ministry of Jesus that you see. Just for you note takers, Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. Matthew 13, verses 53 through 58 are two examples that unbelief hindered Jesus from operating and flowing and doing much. So think about this. Holy Spirit is moving in this direction. Jesus, is, he's, he is the Messiah. He's the anointed one. He's anointed with the fullness of the Spirit. All this stuff, and yet, unbelief, I mean, God... The Spirit of God himself doing the works was hindered by unbelief. I wonder if unbelief will hinder today. Absolutely would hinder today, right? It still took the faith of the individual to receive their healing. So, now let's fast forward healing today. People receive their healing through their own faith. Right? Now I'm talking about how we receive it. 
we as Christians, how we receive healing, you know, that this is how it works. People receive their healing as they gain understanding of healing. That's light. The light has to go on. This is why people in Jesus' earthly ministry came to hear and be healed. They knew. I'm telling you, where it says power went out of him and healed all their sick, guys, you had people walking for miles. They had heard of Jesus and they're like, man, he is my answer. He is my answer. I'm going to go to that meeting and I will be healed. That's why that was able to happen. Right? What do people do today? Come up and have hands laid on them and they're like, well, I'll try again. Right? So, so let's, let's really look at this. Look at, look at 3 John. 3 John 2. You know, kind of a scripture that I walk around with. It leads me and follows me as I drive, right? It's on my license plate. But let's look at this under this context. John, at the end of his life, or he, I mean, he was an old man when he wrote this. He said this, beloved, I wish, well, he didn't wish, it's the Greek word pray. I pray above all things that you may prosper. This Greek word prosper means to grant a prosperous journey to lead by a direct and easy way. It also means to make prosperous, to give success to. I pray above all things that you may prosper and be in health. This Greek word means to have sound health, to be well in body, to be good in health. I pray above all things that you would prosper and be in health. And then he, look at what it says here even as your soul prospers. So in other words, I'm going to prosper financially, be successful in life, all of these things. I'm going to walk in health. I'm going I'm I'm to be healed, all these things. But it's going to be as my soul prospers, my mind, my will, and my emotions, until I receive revelation knowledge of the word of God until light comes and now understanding comes of what the word says, I'm going to be very limited. But I'm unlimited. I mean, you think about this. God is saying, listen, how much prosperity and how much health you want to walk in? Because it's not up to me, God says. It's up to you. How much your soul will prosper. How much revelation knowledge of God's word you will have. Eternal life, John 17, 3 says, is to know God and to know his son Jesus who he, whom he sent. Well, who is Jesus? It's to know the word. Is there any revelation of the word of God that God would ever withhold from you? Not, not any. How much can you walk in? How much do you want? Isn't that interesting? So then he goes on and says, it says, for I rejoice greatly, verse 3, when my brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee. Well, what is truth? John 17, 17, thy word is truth. You could read it this way. John's saying, man, I rejoice greatly when my brothers came and testified to me of the word of God that is in you. Right? And then it says this, even as you walk in the truth, or even as you walk in the word, I rejoice greatly. And then he says this, I, in verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk, walk in the truth or walk in the word. This is a huge thing, guys. So let's look at a story tonight. This story literally is in three of the four Gospels. So turn to Mark chapter 9. This is about the healing of, of a man's lunatic son, the healing and deliverance of his son. Because I want you to see what we're talking about here. You guys okay? I am so excited about this. 
I pretty much get excited about all this stuff, but you know, it's just wonderful. So for you note takers, this story is found in Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 through verse 21. We're going to look at Mark's gospel, but it's also found in Luke chapter 9, verse 37 through verse about 42. Okay? We're going to look at Mark's account. We might jump over a little bit just to bring fullness to get the full picture here. But it says, and when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them. So if you think about all this stuff, you know, he sends his disciples out. He sends them out to preach the kingdom, to heal the sick, to cast out devils, all this stuff, right? He commissioned them to do this. He's on the Mount of Transfiguration. He's transfigured before him. Now they're coming down from the mountain. And when he came to his disciples, there was a great multitude around them, and the scribes were questioning them. Now think about that. These are just fishermen, average ordinary guys that have been with Jesus, and these doctors of the law are, you know, are, are, are really kind of asking them questions and, and, you know, all this stuff, right? They're questioning with them, and straightway all the people when they beheld him, in other words, they're all questioning their dis- the disciples, and all of a sudden somebody goes, hey, Jesus is coming. So then pretty soon everybody's like, wow, you know, they beheld him, they were greatly amazed, they ran to him and saluted him, and then he asked the scribes, what question you with them? What do you, why are you questioning my guys here? What, what's going on? Right? Luke chapter 9 and verse 37 It tells us the day before Jesus was transfigured, before Peter, right, James and John. I mean, think about this. Jesus is coming down from a mountain. Peter, James, and John, they kind of got their mouth shut, but they, I mean, they're like, wow, this is, there's Moses, there's Elijah. Should we make a tabernacle? God's like, no, 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 you know, listen to my son, please. Will you listen to my son, right? So all this is going on. The scribes were questioning these disciples why they could not heal or deliver. Could you imagine? They're probably just going, oh man, Peter, James, and John are so lucky. They're up there with Jesus. We got to deal with these guys, right? Now, if you want to know the fullness of this story, days before, they're walking. Before the Mount of Transfiguration, they're all walking. Hey, who do you think is going to be greatest in the kingdom? Who do you think is going to be able to sit next to Jesus in the kingdom of God? They're kind of getting into pride. So then Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up on the mountain. Maybe those three, for the first time, were not engaged in all this nonsense. But maybe they were. We don't know. Next thing you know, now they're down here. This guy brings his son and goes, hey, this demon, for years, he throws my son in a fire, throws him in water to try to drown them and everything. Can you guys deliver them? Now, Jesus already commissioned them to cast out devils, heal the sick. Could they have done it? Absolutely. But for some reason, they didn't with this. Why? Because of pride. Because they're all about their position in the kingdom. If you want to advance in the kingdom, you got to forget about your position in the kingdom. Man, all you, I mean, it's just like, wow, Jesus, I'm just, I'm, your, I'm yours. That's good enough for me, right? Forget titles, forget all this position in the kingdom, because it will mess you up. It's really hard to do ministry out of the overflow when you're all about yourself, right? So this is what's happening. Verse 17, and one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which has a dumb spirit. Now, I love the way that's written in the King James, because all these spirits are dumb, right? But this means can't talk, right? There's a certain, certain thing. And wheresoever, or in other words, and where he takes him, this, this spirit tears him. He foams and gashes with his teeth, pines away, And I spoke to your disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. Okay? 
Matthew's account. You don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read Matthew 17, verses 14 through 16. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed, for often he falls into the fire and often into the water, and I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him. In Luke's account, in Luke 9.38, we find out it tells us that this was this man's only son. So with the three events, you get a full picture of this. This guy loved his only son, and now he's, he's just wanting him to get free. All three accounts, specifically in the Word of God, tell us that this man said, they, the, your disciples could not cure him. Right? Luke chapter 9, verse 1. Don't turn there. I just want to read this to you because we don't want to leave anything unturned here. Then he, talking about Jesus, called his 12 disciples together and gave them power. He gave them dunamis. He had unlimited dunamis. What did Jesus say to his disciples? And you shall receive power. Dunamis is the Greek word. Miraculous power that has been loosed. Jesus had it all. And he, had, he commissioned and he gave a measure of it to his 12 disciples. And authority, not only dunamis, boy, boy, listen to Sunday's message. He gave them dunamis and look at what else he gave. He gave them authority over all devils and to cure diseases. Matthew chapter 10 verse 1 says, and when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. You're like, that's crazy. So why couldn't they cast him out? But you know, we have the very Holy Spirit of God in us. We're born again. We have the very dunamis of God. God commands us that believe on the name, you shall lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. You'll have absolute mastery over demons and, all, and Satan himself, all of his ability. And yet what do we do? We sit and complain. Why is this happening to me? No light. That's why you're, that's why you're like that. Don't beat yourself up. Just turn the light on. Right? Can you imagine? It'd be like walking at night from your bedroom to the bathroom and there's all these metal things on your floor and you just keep the lights out and you keep stubbing your toe and breaking your toe and you just keep doing that day and you're complaining, man, why does this keep happening to me? Turn on the light. Oh, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm kind of tired. I, I, I don't, you know, I just don't have time to read my Bible. Right? Now I'll watch eight hours of TV, but I don't have time right? I mean, it's crazy, isn't it? It is true that they did not cast out the unclean spirit or heal the boy. It is true the man said they could not heal or deliver the boy, but it is not true that they couldn't heal or deliver the boy because Jesus gave them authority. In other words, the disciples' failure to get the boy healed and delivered did not prove the will of God. And yet today, we prove the will of God by circumstance. And it says it right here in the Word. And people go to years and years of school and they preach all this nonsense and they've never even seen that verse. Now don't give us any credit. The only reason why you see anything is because the Holy Spirit the only reason why I see anything is because the Holy Spirit. That's how come I live my life going, Lord, without you, I can't see anything. I'm not going to be about myself. It's all you. And I will eat all the crumbs and I'll eat everything you'll give me. I, you know, I don't care because your life, right? See, why am I saying this? 
Because to the Lord Jesus, there is no excuse for unbelief. There's no excuse. He has never failed us. He has never forsaken us. Unbelief will choke you off from the blessing of God. In Matthew 19, 26, it says this, But Jesus beheld them and said to them, With men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. There's no excuse for unbelief. Luke 18, 27, this is another nice one. And he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Wow. In Matthew, I want you to see something, and you could put it up on the screen. Matthew 17, 20, I want you to see a principle here as we're moving through this story. And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say to you, if you had faith as a grain of a mustard seed. Now, if you ever saw the grain of a mustard seed, it's the smallest seed you could ever see. It's, it looks like a little sliver. Jesus is saying, if you had faith as of the grain of a mustard seed, you shall say. Man, I'm telling you, if you're not speaking the word, get in faith. Don't think you are, because if you are, you're going to speak. You would say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. So in other words, your mouth will bring you into. See, we don't teach positive thinking here. We, we go way beyond positive thinking. We teach unlimited thinking. With God, all things are possible. Listen, it's not over for us. No, no, you don't understand. Man, I killed that by my own behavior. Great. God is the God who raises dead things to life. But it's all going to be determined on what you believe, your faith. Now, it's not determined on what God can do, because he can do everything. Right? Verse 19, let's go back to the story, Mark 9, 19 now. So he comes down, and, and the man, you know, let me go back, let me read Mark 9, 18. Let's put 9, 18 up here first. So, well, I'll go back to 17, sorry. <laughs> it's a work in progress. It says, and one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I've brought unto you my son, which has a dumb spirit, and where he takes him, he tears him, he foams and gnashes with his teeth, pines away. I spoke to your disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. Verse 19, and Jesus answered the man and said, O faithless generation, you're like, could you imagine somebody comes up here for, to be prayed for by me, and I'm like, oh, faithless generation. <laughs> oh, that would explode churches because we're so carnal. That pastor is the meanest person in the world. I'm out of here. I'm not, I'm not only going to leave this church, I'm going to give them a bad rating on Facebook forever. And I'm going to tell everybody how horrible that guy is, right? And here's Jesus. What was Jesus doing? He's got to move this man from a hopeless condition so that he could minister to that man's son. Because that man was the determining factor. He had authority in his son's life. It was his only son. It was obvious his son could not believe God on his own. Right? So he's, everything that God does is to try to move you into life, not away from it. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him to me. Now, I gotta tell you, I don't think the guy was offended at all because I have a feeling that there were 12 that were standing around him, specifically nine. When he says, oh, faithless generation, he wasn't just talking about the dad. I think his focus was more on, oh, you faithless 
disciples that I've poured into. Right? So let's get this right. He says, how long am I going to suffer you? Bring him to me. Bring the child to me. The disciples failed because of their unbelief. Now think about it. They were commissioned by God. They were, I mean, they were given this by God, and yet they failed because of pride, because they didn't believe it. Wow. Personal ambition and strife was the reason for their unbelief. Who's going to be greatest? Well, of course, I'll be greatest. No, you won't. Come on, you're an idiot, right? Uh, no, I'm going to be greatest. Wow. Personal ambition and strife will hinder your faith no matter how much authority you've been given. Husbands, just, just be ugly to your wife. You could fool your church family, but you're not going to walk in faith. Wives, be as ugly as you want to your husbands. Get into strife, personal ambition, all this stuff, but, but nothing's going to be happening in your life. See, personal ambition and strife, why? Why will nothing happen in your life? Because you're such a bad person? No. But personal ambition and strife will literally drive you into unbelief. You'll have inner turmoil. You won't, be able, you won't have confidence. In other words, this is what it looks like. This is all it is. The light's out. The light's just out. All you got to do, don't beat yourself up. Well, I've just got anger issues. No, your flesh does. Get, get in the word of God and get that taken care of. Turn the light on. You'll be okay. And know that while you're, while you're doing all this stuff and getting it all together, and all, God's not mad at you. He's excited. He's like, yeah, hey, just forget that nonsense. And don't worry, I'll give you favor with your wife or favor with your husband. I'll help you clean this thing up. But remember, you just got to believe me. Get the light on. I'm the performer. You're the believer. Isn't that amazing that in Christ, you don't have to clean up your own messes. Jesus already did that. I love that. Jesus knows that it takes faith. Now, you got to hear the way I'm saying this because this is how it works. Jesus knows that it takes faith to activate the power of God so that a person can receive deliverance and receive their healing. It takes faith to activate the power of God so a person can receive deliverance and healing. Notice, it doesn't say so that God could give it, because God already gave it. Right? Well, no, wait, no, Pastor, time out. Jesus hadn't went to the cross yet. Yeah, in the natural, but in God's eyes, he was crucified before the foundation of the world. And he had a covenant with Abraham, which literally gave all those people a legal right. Job didn't even have a covenant, but God is a God. Faith just moves him. It's amazing. If faith moves God to minister to somebody who's not even his. Do you know somebody on death row tonight that's murdered 25 people, that has been an atheist and has hated God their whole life, could turn to God tonight and receive everything. Amen. It, it Literally. How much more you and I? Right? Because the only thing, the only difference between somebody on death row and you and I, the only difference is Jesus. Now, you might not have been a mass murderer or whatever, but man, if you look at what Satan did in generations to try to get that person in that position, it's all, the, the facts are all different in all of our lives, but the end result is always the same. Right? Verse 19, bring them to me. Jesus says, bring them to me. Unbelief hindered Jesus from administering the healing power of God even after coming out of the glory. Think about that. The day before, he is, I mean, the Father God, the glory of God was shining out of him. 
He came out of this very, the Mount of Transfiguration. Surely he would have enough power to just set this kid free. But that wasn't the determining factor. He had to get the father in faith. He had to, he had to take him from where he was to faith. Otherwise, nothing's happening. You got to see this. Even after coming out of the glory, Jesus still put the responsibility on the individual's faith. Why am I saying that? Man, if you, if you don't leave here with anything else, and I believe God's going to anoint these words, faith in God will bring you out. The Lord wanted me to say that five times. Faith, there's people listening. There's people that will listen. Faith in God will bring you out. Faith in God will bring you out. You've got to hear that. Faith in God will bring you out. Right? Faith in God will bring you out. So say this with me. And if you're at home, say this. If you're listening to this in your car, whatever, say this. Faith in God will bring me out. Faith in God will bring me out. Faith in God will bring me out. Do you believe that? I think you believe that. Say it again. Faith in God will bring me out. Faith in God will bring me out. I'm telling you, it's true. No matter where you are right now, faith in God will bring you out every time. Remember, because faith in God, you believe and you speak, he performs. If you're bound in any way tonight, know this, he's made you free. And if you'll believe it, he'll bring you out of anything. Hallelujah. And faith comes one way, by hearing God's word. So verse 20, verse 20, and they brought him unto him. In other words, they brought the boy to Jesus. And when he saw him, so think about how Satan is such a punk. So they bring the boy to Jesus, right? Look at this. And when the minute that Jesus saw the boy, straightway the spirit that was tormenting this boy, that was in this boy, it says, tore him. Could you imagine that? Tore him. He fell on the ground. He's wallowing around, foaming. And notice it, it doesn't say, Jesus didn't, he wasn't moved by this at all. Why? Because he knew he had all the authority, and that demon had no authority. When the circumstances of your life, when your emotions, when your thought life are just screaming and, and doing all this stuff, don't let that move you. It changes nothing about who you are. Right? Verse 21, and he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. So it's, it had been a while. And oftentimes it's cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. And then he says this. Notice what the father does. But if you, if you can do anything, have compassion or have mercy on us and help us. In other words, he took the responsibility of his son's healing. If, if Pastor Edwin, he took, if, I'm the, if I'm the father, he's like, if, if you can do anything, have mercy on us and help us. He basically gave Jesus the responsibility. Okay? That's what's happening in the story. The moment the boy's father speaks, what's happening? Of the difficulty of the circumstance... Did you notice he falls into a state of discouragement and cries out to Jesus to have mercy 
on his son, and then he puts all the responsibility on Jesus. In other words, the father right now is not in faith. If you don't have faith in God's word, then you don't have faith in God. You can never separate God from his word. Verse 23, look at how Jesus answers him. And Jesus said unto him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. He literally is moving this person in the faith. He put all the responsibility on him and he said, no, 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 you're giving me the responsibility, I'm going to give it right back to you. No, no, this is not about what I can do, this is about what you can believe. See, God loves his children. How it, how it must hurt him to see his children in pain and sick and financial and, you know, in addictions. And it, I mean, but literally, literally, God has already provided the freedom, but a person has to take that responsibility and not figure out how to come out. No, 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 just believe. Believe that John 8, 36, whoever the Son has made free is indeed free. This is huge. Jesus puts the responsibility of believing back on the boy's father. And it's very clear here that it's not about God's compassion. It's not about his mercy. He's the God of all mercy. But it's not about his mercy. His mercy is not the determining factor. Now his mercy moved him. And he provided it all, right? It's about the necessity of faith being exercised so that the healing power of God can work. It's about the necessity of faith being exercised. How do you do that? You believe with your heart and you say with your mouth. It's not a matter of what God can do. It's a matter of what you can believe. See, we can't, boy, this is not popular preaching. But I have a feeling it's going to be because people need answers. We can't leave up to God what he's left up to us. We, we can't do that. It doesn't work that way. You cannot make his responsibility what he has made our responsibility, right? This is just the way it works. Your faith is the determining factor in your healing. We do not receive from God according to what we need, what we want. We don't receive from God according to what is right, yeah, but, you know, I was just, I lived a good life, and all of a sudden, I'm diagnosed with cancer. I know, it's not right, but God has already made provision to get the cancer out, but you got to believe him. It's the determining factor. It's how that power is released. I'm telling you, when Jesus' ministry, when you read this, you got to understand, all the dunamis power that the Holy Spirit has was always looking for a little hole to get through so he could do something. God's not, God is not looking at your behavior and going, oh, I'm going to withhold. No, he's looking for any way that he can get over to you what you need. That's just who he is. We do not receive from God according to what we need, what is right, what is fair, what is God's will. We don't receive that way. We receive from God through faith. What do I mean by, well, God's will? Of course it has to be God's will, but he already said it is. So verse 24, and straightway the father of the child cried out. Think about, here's his son, since he was a child, this man had been living in this. And he comes to Jesus and he's like, man, if you can do anything, have mercy on us. And then Jesus turns it right around and says, listen, if you can believe... All things are possible to him who believes. In other words, dad, if you can believe for him to be free, he'll be free. It caused the man to literally cry out. Can you see this? He cried out. He said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. What was, what was this man saying? 
What does it mean, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief? This man was crying out saying, Lord, I am choosing to believe. That's what he was saying. And that statement gave Jesus, who had the spirit without measure, enough of an opening to get that man's son free. That's amazing. When you make a choice to believe, it will come out of your mouth. That's why he said, Lord, I believe. It's like this. It's like, Lord, I believe, but man, help my, help my unbelief. Right? Why, why is this? Because I have no idea how this is supposed to happen. I have, but I, no, I'm choosing to believe this. Whenever you believe something, it'll come out of your mouth. If it's not coming out of your mouth, you don't believe it. Pastor, that's great preaching. Now I could really help myself. Not other people, right? Don't become the confession police. Don't go up to somebody and go, man, you know, Edwin, geez, if you just believed, you'd be speaking. What's your problem? No, that, that's, that's not ministry, right? Matthew 17, verse 20. Let me read this to you. And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you shall say, have you heard this before? Say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place and it shall, rem it sh it shall remove and nothing will be impossible unto you. So here's a big statement. What you truly believe will come out of your mouth. What you are trying to believe will not come out of your mouth. Pastor, that's kind of hard. It's hard, but it's true. And it'll change your life if you let it. This man was not fully persuaded. This was not some high degree of faith, right? Faith works in your heart with thoughts of doubt in your head. If you study, I wish I had time to go into this, the life of Abraham. I mean, God says, listen, Abraham, if you leave your father's house and go where I tell you, I'll make you rich. Next chapter, and Abraham's rich. And God talks to him about having a son, and then 24 years go by, and he kind of lets that one go. He's rich. But he just kind of lets that go, and then God shows up and says, hey, guess what, Abe? You're going to have a son next year this time. What God did was he pulled it right into his grasp. Then he met with him again. He changed his name. He, he did all this stuff, and within a year, he had a son. And even when, you know, God sh showed up and, and, and uh, you know, said, hey, why is your wife laughing about this? Right? And, and Sarah's like, I didn't laugh. He was fully persuaded by that time. He goes, no, no, if God said you laughed, you laughed. In other words, whatever God says is true. I know that now. See, this man might not have been fully persuaded, but he chose to believe. Fully persuaded, you just keep meditating, keep meditating, keep meditating in the word. Faith will work in your heart with thoughts of doubt in your head. See, as you minister to people or what God is doing tonight, you must get people to respond from their heart. See, we as believers should never say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I mean, we know better. We know better. For us, we just got to get in the word and put him first. See, this man wasn't even born again. Wow. See, 2 Corinthians 4.13, we're kind of closing now, kind of coming down the hill. 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, we having the same spirit of faith according as it is written, right? I believed and therefore have I spoken. We believe and therefore we speak. If you believe, you will speak. 
Romans 10.10, for with the heart man believes, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Right? Verse 25, and when Jesus saw that the people came running together, so literally he's dealing with this, and all of a sudden when he says this to the man, the, the son is there, and all these people start running to where he's at now. Look at this. When Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, you dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried, rent him sore, came out of him, and he was as one dead, insomuch that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. Jesus ministered to this boy before the crowd with all its unbelief, could gather around the Father. This is a huge thing. Guys, I'm here to tell you that God's word is true. Right? It's true. You must meditate on God's word so that you're operating out of what you're believing, not out of what you're seeing or feeling. Right? Instead of trying to make something work, forget all that. Meditate in the word of God and let the light of the word of God come. See, how you act on what you believe in your heart is you speak it. God's word, as I've said many times, it's transformative. It has life-transforming power. It will transform your life. The word of God is also cumulative. It has a cumulative effect on your spirit and your body. Well, I should say it this way, a cumulative effect on your spirit and on your soul and on your body. A cumulative effect. The more you hear, the more faith is deposited in your heart. This is so important. We have to get this. I would tell you today, it's just as easy to get healed today as it was in Jesus' ministry. Because as soon as light comes on, something happens. There is a place in every, in every faith event that you have, in everything that you faith. When, when, when the light comes on and you see the word and you know it, it it's yours. Everything changes when that happens. That's how you receive. As soon as light comes, something happens. Because we're so distracted, guys, sometimes it may take months for that light to come on. But you stick with it. That's why you got to be planted in a church that preaches this stuff. Don't run when you're messing up and, and all this stuff. You run to God. And you stay under the light of his word. And you keep meditating. What, is, what does meditating in the words mean? It means I'm saying over and over and over with my mouth what he says. You keep meditating on it until light comes. That's how you receive your healing. It's how you receive everything from God. Hallelujah. You will be a doer of the word and you will act on God's word when light comes. Why is a person not a doer of the word? Because light hasn't come. So you've heard a lot of things tonight. But it'll be your decision if you will meditate on some of these things as the Holy Spirit leads you to. It'll be your decision if light will come. Does that make sense? I mean, look at the parable of the sower. Wayside ground. Hearing the word once is not enough. Stony ground. You got to water the word. How do you water the word? By hearing it and hearing it and hearing it. How do you hear it and hear it and hear it? Go turn on my car and you'll hear somebody preaching. I always listen to, to preaching. The only time I ever shut that off is when I'm praying. I might have some times of worship too, but man, I'm, I'm listening to the word all the time. I'm in the word all the time. I'm endeavoring to speak the word all the time. But you gotta get over yourself to do that. Right? But, but that's, you have to stay under the light. 
so that the, the word of God, it'll cause you to be a doer of the word. Thorny ground, what happens with thorny ground? The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things will come and choke the word. That's thorny ground. These three things, what do they do? They cause you to stop meditating in the word so the light goes out and you can't, can't produce anything. Do you see that? So what am I saying? You must attend to the word of God. You gotta make sure, man, the desire for other things, you gotta pluck that stuff out and make sure the word stays first. The deceitfulness of riches, you gotta pluck that out. The lust of the eyes, you gotta keep your eyes on Jesus. These are like weeds that will choke the word of God. And when the word is choked, you stop meditating in it. And the light goes out and then here we go. The good news is all you gotta do is start meditating. That garden of your life can get cleaned up so fast. You attend to the word, and then you water the word. Have I said anything tonight? Now, it seems like I've said some new things tonight, but I think we're just hearing maybe some of the same things that I've said. I don't know. There's so much revelation in the word, I just love it. And he'll bring it to our lives. So we have made a decision. We're going to live under the light of the word of God. Right? We'll be speaking the word. We're, we're, we realize that our faith is the determining factor and the only reason why we're a doer of the word and why we continue in the word so that the word can produce is because we attend to it, we water the word, and we never leave it. That's what you do to receive your healing. That's what you do to receive everything. And this is why there's multitudes of Christians that are not receiving yet. Right? Think about what I just taught on tonight. Everything in the Bible is yours. Think of what that would do, look like in your life. People sit here and go, well, you know, witnessing, I don't really do that because I don't know what to say. Meditate in the word. Let things start happening in your life and you're going to run everywhere going, hey, God's healed my body. God did this. God did that. And you will be a witness. Amen.